Today, we are wrapping up our series called Pure Desires. And again, it's rated PG-13, you know, scanning the room to see if we got any people that that would apply to. Uh, and so PG-13, and here's kind of the basis or the premise of our series. If our sexual desires are allowed to go in any direction, which I think our culture has kind of went that way, all right? Let's just call it what it is. If our sexual desires are allowed to go in any direction without godly guidance, uh, they will eventually bring about our own demise and our own destruction. In other words, it's going to have a negative impact that's going to affect marriages, going to affect families, going to affect our lives. I mean, just a whole scattering of things that will not go well because of this. And so we've been considering together how our unhealthy sexual desires are affecting us and how we might actually live or pursue pure desires. And so we're just trying to figure out how do we make that transition? How do we make that change? And every week I'm throwing this idea out that desire is something that God has placed within us from creation. In other words, it's not something that I'm trying to get rid of. I'm not trying to actually have no desire or no ambition. That's not the goal. It's actually to manage it and to, to handle it correctly, what God has placed in me to actually use it for his glory his intended glory, his intended purpose, and experience what that means. It's connected to our free will. In other words, we have a choice. Um, this is the one area, I think, in our lives that is more a choice than maybe any other choice, is how will I live my life sexually? How, how will I do that? And even though, and let me just caveat, you know, thought is, you know, a lot of times we hear in our culture today, you don't have a choice. Uh, biblically, it's a choice. It's, it's a choice what we do with our sexuality, no matter what bent or anything else. And I won't go down that path very far, but I'm just letting you know that's the biblical understanding. So the big issue for many of us is that we rarely, uh, if ever, give any thought to what's happening with our desires. In other words, maybe until you came into the series, you never thought about how your sexual desires were being played out. I mean, it's, it, it was never... A, part of your concepts or part of your thought life. And so a lot of us, I think, are in that category, and we simply go with the flow. And in our key text, and we've been, we're going to read it in just a second, Paul is writing actually to a group of people who are in many ways just going through the flow, going with the flow, and have real no, really no consideration to what's happening. And so I think that's a good understanding for us to dive into this text today that that's who he's speaking to. He's speaking to the people that just went with the flow. He's just speaking to a group of people that have had desires that have kind of went a little away, awry. And he said, hey, guys, let's, let's, let's zero in on this. And so here's what's next in our key text. Romans 13, verses 11 through 14. This is all the more urgent. And he's talking about our relationship with the Lord and just being connected with him and all you know, you got to read kind of the whole story there. But this is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Time is running out. Wake up. Wake up. And I think in a lot of ways, this series has been a wake-up call. We started it out with this whole bang-the-drum kind of thing that we might be aware of some things. Because wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. In other words, every day I get a little bit closer to eternity. Every day I get a little bit closer to Jesus' return. Every day. How many are like me? And every day you feel a lot older. It's every day, right? It's happening. It's, it's going on. That's what he's talking about. Hey, it's, it's moving whether you like it or not. The night is almost gone. In other words, the dark thing that you might be a part of right now, it's not always going to be that way. There's going to be a bright day 
that happens. The day of salvation will soon be here. So, in light of that, so remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. And this idea of sexual impurity applies to this. He goes, and put on the shining armor of right living, which comes through a relationship with Christ. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. And I, that phrase this week has just been jumping out at me, that we must live decent lives for all to see. And I thought about it this way. I think what we're talking about here isn't just a good topic. It actually has repercussions. It actually has this idea that how I handle my life in this category, my sexual desires and the things that I do in, in my own fleshly desires, whatever it might be, actually have a ripple effect to the people around me, to my kids. How, how many parents, you realize that, right? I mean, to, to, the, to the immediate family, to my co-worker. I mean, it just, it impacts people. And so if I can, and this is why I think Paul's saying, we must leave decent, decent lies for all to see. He's saying, hey, this is so important that you have an opportunity to live an example that can change their lives as well. That's what I really think he's saying here. And so that's an interesting thought for us to kind of land on here. <clears throat> so he goes on, says, don't participate. You know, don't get involved, don't, don't get in there, don't participate in the darkness of wild parties. You know, he said, don't go out clubbing, you know, <laughs> don't go out, you know, don't, don't go to the lake and forget that you went to the lake. <laughs> All right, you know, so we, okay. <laughs> Just in case you didn't know what wild parties were, okay, and, and drunkenness, and then he goes, or in sexual promiscuity, which is Sex outside of the boundaries and the lines and the design of what God planned for you, uh, for all of us. And immoral living, which is just throw caution to the wind and just go. And then he goes on, in, or in quarreling and jealousy. So he's talking about the heart as well. But verse 14 is really where we've been landing. He says, instead, instead, don't, you know, I, instead, a change, different. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked a lot about that last week. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. And so, you know, quick review. We, we've been looking at important aspects regarding our sexual desires. Things like, obviously from our text, we need to consider the time. We need to consider the influence. We need to consider what I was just talking about and make the most of our opportunity to be aware and accountable. That I would be aware of who I am, what's happening, What's going on? Where this is leading? I'm aware and I'm accountable for it. Those two things connected together. And, and let me just say one real, you know, I unashamedly make this plug. Um, we, we do life groups in the fall. Life groups in the fall. Come on. Come on. Come on. Life groups in the fall. It, it, there's, there's something that happens in a group that doesn't happen here, all right? And, and so one of the things, one of the groups that we have that is, is specifically for men that might be struggling with sexual desire in areas of pornography and things like that. And so I'm just making an unashamed plug because I know that's a great place to be accountable and become more aware so that you might find more freedom. Because it's a huge issue, all right? So just let you know that's, that's happening right now and it's going to kick off again in the fall. Uh, we need to, so consider the time. We need to. Uh, take the spiritual steps that lead to freedom. 
Uh, when, he, when he says, instead, close yourself with the presence of the Lord Christ, he's really talking about that the spiritual you needs to be changed before you can get to the behavioral you. In other words, the heart of who you are as a person has to be addressed, and the only way that heart of who you are as a person can be addressed is the touch or the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And those phrases are important because his lordship, his humanity, he can empathize and sympathize, and his Christ, he's the Messiah, he paid for it. You know, all these kind of things are involved in that one little phrase. So things like, and we, this is what we talk about, finding a new identity separate from the shame, so shame is connected to this whole idea. And then things like living under the lordship of Jesus and things like pursuing intimacy is our priority. In other words, we would begin to live in the instead instead of in the between, in that misery place. And so we, that's all we've been talking about up to this point, all of that kind of coming out of those couple verses. So today, though, I want to wrap up and explore some practical thoughts regarding how we might live with pure desires. I mean, how, practically, you know, and, and, and just, just kind of get in there and go, okay, what do we practically need to be considering? And I think it's found in this last verse as Paul wraps up this section with a practical challenge to think differently. Would you look at somebody next to you and just say, think differently? Just tell them, hey, think differently. Think differently. I mean, that's, and that's really what he's saying. He's saying, hey, let's, let's change the way we think about this. Let's, let's have a mental shift and think differently. And, and it says, and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Other translations say this. They say, make no provision or don't plan to indulge your selfish desires. And really, you got to ask the question, what is Paul saying? When he says that, what's he saying? And I think there's a couple of real interesting little thoughts. One is to avoid avoidance, the don't part of it avoid certain thoughts and begin thinking new thoughts. So the, it's, it's stated clearly, avoid this, but it's implied, begin this. It's, it's stated that you should begin to not think this way and begin to think another way. Here's another one. Is that I really think what he's saying is don't blindly allow your thoughts to go wherever they want. Some of you are like me and you have a lot of stinking thinking sometimes, Right? And your thoughts like, whoo, that was a zinger. Where'd that come from, right? And what he's saying, he's like, you know what? Don't, don't just allow it to go wherever and do whatever it wants to. Grab a hold of your thoughts. Take them captive, as it says in Scripture, in a different way. So don't blindly allow your thoughts to go wherever. Don't allow a pattern of thinking to dominate you so that you constantly gratify your flesh. In other words, what he's saying, don't allow yourself to get into that pattern of thinking that you constantly do the same thing over and over and over and over, and you're like, How, why do I keep doing that? Because your thinking is messed up. That's what he's talking about. And so, and then one other thought is he's saying, really, choose to think differently. Just choose it. Don't let it. Choose it. <laughs> choose it. If you continually choose to cater and pamper and stir up and satisfy your, your thoughts, that are corrupt, you will always be under the control of those desires. So here's, here's what I maybe can deduct from what Paul's saying. A lot of us are struggling with our sexual desires that maybe are out of whack, because not because of the behavior, but because of my thoughts. Because of the way I'm thinking, because of the way I'm engaging in this, and maybe that's what's causing the, the real problem. So in many ways, our lives can be summed up with two Big questions, two big questions. 
I mean, these, these, these are, and I don't think they're in your notes. You can write them down if you want to, but two big questions. Here's the first one. What or who did we place our trust in? That's a huge question. Your life, once you get to the end of your life, I mean, I'm not saying you're going to end today, today or anything like that, but someday you're going to come to the end of your life, and the big question that you will have as you stand before the Lord is simply who and what did you trust in? And some of us, let's just be honest, we trust more in finances, our own, right? We trust more in our own abilities and all that kind of stuff. But then some of us can say, I, mean, I really trusted in the Lord. And so who and what did I trust in? That's the big question. But here's the second big question, is what did we do with our thoughts? What did we do with our thoughts? And, and, and when I put this in the notes, I thought, man, this area might be my biggest struggle. Because I, I, I'm telling you, I'm standing up here just letting you know, I'm, I don't have my thought life perfectly in line, but I know how big a deal it is. I know how important this is because, boy, when it's out of whack, life is out of whack. But when it's right, it's good. How many, how many with me on that? Okay, yeah, yeah, we get it, right? So what do we do with our thoughts? So let me give you just two overarching thoughts, all right, or, or ideas. Our thinking determines our destiny. Our thinking determines our destiny. In other words, where I'm going to end up in life to a large degree is directly connected to how I think about life. I mean, it's just a, it's just a reality. And the second one, and this is more in line with what we're talking about today, is our bad thinking leads to bad living. It's the, it's the bad thinking that creates this. And so when Paul says, and don't let your thoughts, <laughs> or don't think, you know, this way, don't, because he's saying, hey, this is not going to end well. That, that's really what he's getting into. Let me th throw out just a few scriptures that I think might help us to see this. Romans chapter 1, verse 21, I encourage you to go read most of that chapter. And here's, here's what it says. It says, yes, they knew God, kind of more they knew of God. They knew that he was real and he, he, he was the creator. But notice what happened. They wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. In other words, they wouldn't trust him. They wouldn't trust him. They, they didn't answer the first question with the affirmative, I trust you, Lord. And so, so then it goes on, and it says, and they began, because of the lack of trust, they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. In other words, they began to picture in their own mind what they think God was like when really it wasn't like God at all. All because of this trust and the thinking thing. And then notice what happens. As a result, their minds became dark and confused, and it goes into a whole discussion about how it led to all kinds of sexual degrading acts, right? And that's, that's what, what, what Scripture defines as being true about us. Here's, here's Ecclesiastes, chapter 10, verse 13. It says, fools base their thoughts on foolish assumptions, so their conclusions will be wicked madness. In other words, my thinking can actually be the direct correlation to the madness that's in my life. That it's just that, that connected, you know, ungodly thinking, thinking leads to ungodly behavior. Here's one more verse, Romans 12, 2, and I think this one's more familiar to a lot of you. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. This metamorphosis, this change that needs to happen in my think, thinking process. He says, be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, when the mind thinks properly, when God's touched my thought life and it's in line with what he desires, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, 
His good, pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, you will get into the sweet spot and it will be good. How many could use a little bit of that, right? I mean, that's, that's what he's talking about. So transformation comes from thinking better. Ultimately, transformation comes from God. It's this exchange of my old thoughts for new thoughts, and now it's good, all right? So en enough said, just to kind of lay a foundation. So I want to talk about three very practical areas to think differently about sex today. Three very practical. In other words, I want, I want to set you up for sexual greatness. How many would like a little sexual greatness in your life? Three, whoo, man, that was quick. They were, whoo, whoo. Right, right. But I, I think we all want that, right? We, we want to have this experience, you know, and, and this isn't a single married thing. This is, I mean, this is us understanding it collectively together that, that I could do this, but I've got to concern myself with how God views this and some practical thoughts. So here we go, all right? Here's, here's the first one. Is we got to think about how to avoid unhealthy sexual stimulation, all right? We, we've got a stimuli issue, all right? And don't take that too far. Some of you, I know how you guys get, you know, but anyway. Uh, but really what, what, what I'm saying here, what, what I think is true scripturally, is consider carefully what we allow to influence us sexually. We consider it. We, we think about what's happening. How am I getting to this place? What's, and, and I begin to think about ways to avoid the things that stir up evil desires or evil sexual desires in me. And I begin to make moves, if you will, to change that. It's thinking through the process. By the way, this is the reason most people fall into sexual sin. It is because they get too close to the opportunity. In other words, they get too close to the stimuli, if you will. Let me say it another way. We lack moral margin. There's not enough space. There's not enough room, right? Here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 8. It says, stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. And it's talking about a young man that's about to lose his way, right? Stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. And really, if we're not careful, we'll actually place ourselves in a dangerous, stimulating circumstance, and we'll be right back in the place that we never wanted to because we didn't avoid unhealthy sexual stimuli. So all impure sexual thoughts come from our mental images, our fantasy world, if you will, our mental images and at the same time, they come for or come from live interaction attraction. That's where they come from. I mean, just, just so we begin to understand what's going on. So then, if you put this in the negative and what's happening to us, when we watch the movie with the explicit sexual scenes, it becomes this unhealthy stimuli. It becomes this thing that stirs up something in us that might not naturally be focused towards husband and wife, which, by the way, if you really dove down into the weeds of this, it actually becomes a third party in the relationship, not helping you to have a better relationship, okay? Just, just so we understand that. Here's another one. We, we read the romance novel. <laughs> I, I, I almost thought I didn't write it down, but we watched The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. Like, what? That's the greatest show on earth. You know, no. It's not, all right? We, we flip through the Victoria's Secret ads not looking for the latest, latest thing we want to purchase for our wives, guys. All right? I mean, I'm just, 
calling it out. We, we take a second and third look at an attractive woman. Again, this is maybe more a guy thing, obviously. We, we view porn. We, we get involved in the chat rooms. We, whatever it might be. We flirt with the coworker. All these things are in that category that we create the problem for ourselves instead of avoiding it. And he's talking about avoiding it, all right? Let me give you three dangerous places where we're more susceptible, all right? And it's not your notes. You can write them down if you want. First one is the danger of stress. If you're in a very, very stressful environment, job-wise, life-wise, you have to know <laughs> you got to be ultra-sensitive to the stimuli moments because you're susceptible in those times. In other words, we don't have the appropriate reaction that we normally would have because the stress is depleting that ability to do it. That's one. Here's another one, the danger of boredom. Boredom, that, that really what we need to do is we need to stay busy with doing good and we need to find it and practice healthy activities. And I was thinking about what healthy, I mean, go for a run, go for a walk, read a book. I mean, do something other than getting involved in things that you know is not going to help you out, right? Okay. Here's, here's the, the big one, though, is understanding the danger of small steps. Small steps. Little steps. You know, and, and, and let me just kind of, and this is so, I'm, I'm trying to be really sensitive here because I know it affects a lot of us, that most couples don't go into marriage planning to commit adultery. I've never done a wedding yet where the, the husband or the wife say, you know what, in year five, this is what I'm going to do. Never. It's, it's not part of the plan. It's not part of the original idea. When it's, till death do us part, that's the line that we truly believe. So, so what happens? What, what, what takes place that, that makes 65% of all men and 40% of all women commit adultery before their age 40? I mean, what, what happens? What's, what's the problem here? And it's small steps to a large degree. Small steps in the wrong direction. Let me give you some of the steps. Small step, maybe number one, is we've dated a lot, and we, we, we wooed each other a lot before we got married, but once we got married, it didn't matter anymore. Small step. Don't date anymore. I, lo I love the fact that Jennifer and I pretty consistently go on dates. You know, we, we went out to Around the Bend this last week, didn't have the beef fries. We had other things. Some of you don't know what that means, but... They have a very interesting menu out there. <clears throat> and uh, so I, I appreciate that, that, that it hasn't been lost in the middle of it, you know. But small steps, you know, long, no longer. Day. Here's another small step is beginning to think that the grass is greener because the grass I have just isn't as green as I think it should be. That's a very small step, but it's a very big step in the wrong direction. You know, I came across this quote. I love it. When the grass begins to look greener somewhere else, Water your own yard. <laughs> I love that quote. I just think it's a good quote, right? Here's another small step. Small step is emotionally or relationally, I begin to engage at levels that aren't appropriate. That's a small step, but it's a big step. Thinking things like, and thinking, thinking, thinking I enjoy talking with them, so I want to talk with them more. <laughs> On the phone, <laughs> over coffee, won't do that. And then, then it goes on to a small step that I actually relationally enjoy being with them more. I want to spend more time with them physically because I enjoy it so much. I'm happier there. And so all these small steps, and we get to the point where we've 
actually allowed ourselves to be caught up in the stimuli of unhealthy sexual activity. That's the, that's the thing. Here's what Proverbs 5 says about it. Proverbs 5, same, by the way, go read Proverbs 5 and Proverbs 7. Great insights there. But here's what it says. It says, drink from, the, from water from your own well. He's speaking of a relationship in marriage. He says, drink water from your own well. In other words, don't involve third parties. Share, share your love only with your wife. And, and then jumping down to verse 19, because it's a shock verse, it says, let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. In other words, don't stray in some other direction, right? Here's, here's just real quickly two practices before we go on to the next one, and that's this. Guys especially, uh, bounce the eyes. How many of you ever heard the idea of bouncing the eyes, right? Like, what does that mean, right? Okay. Um, we, you know, when you're at the beach, instead of looking for the most attractive woman on the beach, guys, you're looking down to see how many sand pieces are in front of you on the ground, <laughs> <laughs> You're bouncing the eyes. It's, it's, a, it's a very decisive moment that I'm going to avoid this unhealthy sexual attraction because it's stirring something in me mentally, physically, whatever it might be. And so I'm training my eyes to look away or to look up, to look down. Or let's take it to the movie world, which I think this is a big part of it, is that I might need to be trained to fast forward the movie. I watch movies with the remote in my hand, not so I can hit go back, so I can hit fast forward if I need to. I mean, that's just, that's just one of the things I do, right? I mean, that's, you know. Uh, and bounce the eyes when encountering something that might stir up the desire. Here's the next one, is to starve the attraction. Starve it. Starve the attraction. Here's, here's what happens is when you feed the attraction, what happens when you feed something? It grows, it gets bigger, it gets stronger, it gets, you know, more, more like that, you know. And, and if we do, we allow them to grow, and they actually can get out of control. My, real quickly, my, uh, my neighbor, I'm not going to tell you which neighbor, but a neighbor <laughs> is feeding the uh, raccoons in our neighborhood. And, and it, the neighbor believes, I think, that they're pets and that they're all, you know, they're beautiful all that kind of stuff. And, and it was kind of harmless a few years ago. I mean, it wasn't that big a deal, you know, where she would just throw out a little grain and a couple of raccoons would show up and a possum and, you know, and, and now, though, I can kind of see her deck out my back window. I'm, I'm out, she's, she's got like buckets, you know, she's throwing it. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, and I'm not really sure where they're coming from, there's like 30, 40 animals, like all on the deck. I'm like, this is out of control. You know, to the point now where all the neighbors are coming to me, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know. So I started relocating them, you know. <laughs> Just saying, you know. So now there's a lot less, but it's all because you feed it, it gets stronger, bigger, and out of control. So you got to do something about it, all right? Okay, enough said. So starve the attraction. You know, the, again, the other version says make no provision. Here's the second big thought. So the first one is, you know, you got to think about how to avoid unhealthy sexual stimulation. You got to think about that. How, what, what am I putting myself into unaware, right? Here's the second one, is I need to think about how to avoid unhealthy sexual negotiation tactics, to negotiate. And 
And this one, when I was kind of thinking about this, that I think a lot of us do this, and we're not even aware that we do it because we don't think that we do it. That somehow we're giving ourselves a, a spiritual <laughs> pass. Yeah, I'm the exception. I'm, I, you know, my life, I, come on. You know, you know, I mean, and you kind of find yourself negotiating with your own behavior. We, and we usually think of compromise as a good thing, but in the area of unhealthy sexuality, it's not. When we begin to make deals with ourselves, we allow ourselves to think that we deserve it, or we deserve this, or I deserve this break today, you know. I mean, we kinda, it gets a little weird. And we think this activity doesn't really matter because we negotiate it down to the point where we don't think it does. We negotiate it with ourselves. And really, we missed out on something. And so when we begin to do that, we, you know, the, the I deserve this or it doesn't matter, we then begin to think that the price is actually lower than it actually is. It's not going to cost me that. It's, it's not going to do that. And we begin to devalue the actual price of what's happening to the point where we've missed it completely. We've negotiated. We we think that the porn or the chat room won't affect me. Or we think, well, man, it feels so good. How can it be wrong? Right? We, we begin to go down that, and we've negotiated ourselves to a place where, yeah, not so much. And, and here's kind of, I think, the truth of it is never allow yourself to reward yourself with an unhealthy sexual desire. Never allow yourself. Because when you start negotiating in this area, immediately it's wrong immediately it's going to cause problems. Immediately it's not going to go well. It's, it's not something that's like, well, you can negotiate. Not here, not in this care, in this category. Here's, a, here's another thought with it. It's to beware of percentage purity. Beware of percentage purity. In other words, I'm pure 90% of the time really doesn't make a lot of sense, you know? I mean, I, I, I got to thinking about it. It's, it's, you know, the glass of water that's been filtered a hundred times, and you just take one little drop of dog doo-doo and put it in it, right? I mean, that's just nasty. But we, we negotiate to say 90% good, and, and we make it okay. It's how we're thinking, you know? Or here, here's a great one to negotiate with. It's okay. We're in love. That's, that's a good one, right? So here's a verse. Here's a verse. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 <clears throat> says, But among you there must not even be, what's it say? Even a hint. Even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. God is a holy God, and he wants you to be committed to not a percentage of purity, but 100% saying, Lord, I'm not negotiating this. And so when you begin to consider that, things change. Last one, last one, is to think about how to make the necessary steps of preparation. Preparation. To begin to make moves now to prepare yourself for the future. To actually begin to do stuff now that's going to actually help me get to that place that I believe God wants me to be. How many, how many of you are like me that I'm really fond of tomorrow? Tomorrow, tomorrow, right? Right? And, and, and tomorrow means I don't have to do anything today. 
But this idea here is that I need to think about necessary steps to prepare now for the future in this area. So how do we make preparation when it comes to our sexual desires? Here's a very simple idea, and it's called this. It's called premeditated purity. Premeditated purity. In other words, I predetermined it. I've already thought about it. I've already considered it. I've already decided it. And what I'm going to do and where I'm going to go, it's defining beforehand where I will go and what I will do and what I won't. It's deciding. Jennifer and I recently, we, we realized that financially we needed help. Not because we were terrible with it, because I'm actually fairly good with dollars, but just long-term investing. Just understand how do we do that. So we sat down with some investor friends of ours, and they started coaching us along. And we realized, wow, we had not made a lot of great decisions. We'd made some good decisions, but not a lot of great decisions. And so now in the process of having the conversation with this investor counselor, he's, he's addressing this issue, and he's cleaning up this issue. And sometimes we'll share something that we're going to just look at us and smile like, boy, that is some crazy thinking there. And he'll help us get that online. And all of a sudden, now, our future and what we're hoping to get to and where we want to go looks really good. How did it all happen? It happened because I began to plan and prepare strategically for what needs to take place. And see, for many of us in the sexual area of who we are, that's part of the, the do. It's making a calculated decision before the heat of the moment. It's a predetermined perimeter around your soul around who you are. Making preparation is understanding that temptation will come, but I'm ready for it. It's, it's making preparation for that. How many, I'm just curious, how many of you have been tempted? How many of you have been tempted? All of us have, right? I mean, but the temptation isn't what needs to destroy us, it's how we are prepared for the temptation that really matters. I mean, let me explain it this way. Temptation only works when we are weak, vulnerable, unaware, and unprepared. You put all those on the table, temptation comes, there's a very good chance that that temptation will destroy you. And sometimes you can be weak and vulnerable, but you can be aware and prepared, and you still make it through because the weak and vulnerable, that kind of happens in life, right? Those are moments. But if I'm aware and I'm prepared, it doesn't have the same results. Here's, here's what Jesus did. Jesus was tempted. He responded because he was aware and he was prepared with the word, and he was not defeated by the temptation. He was weak. He hadn't eaten for a few days, 40 days. He, he was you know, vulnerable. He was in a place where, man, it sure would be good. All of that was true, but because he was aware of the tactic, he was prepared for what was about to happen. He knew the answer. He was prepared. By the way, make Scripture part of your readiness. One more verse, and I close. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says, the temptations in your life are no different, different from what others experience. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Let me just pause right there real quickly. Because I think there's a temptation.